All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of At Large Bid, brought to you by the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. And once again, college basketball in full swing. That beautiful son of a bitch that you are, college basketball. Uh, we have a lot of news to talk about. I'm Tim Daniel here, as always, with Taylor Burkfeld. And Taylor, this is a big week for us here at the 40 Minutes Basketball Network. For those who do know, we are, very lo- we are a local basketball blog podcast network that is also credentialed for all the local Northern Kentucky, Greater Cincinnati schools. So we will have our busiest week of the year this week with the Crosstown Shootout on with Xavier and Cincinnati on Saturday. Uh, so we were looking to potentially doing a second at-large bid this week to go out maybe Thursday. And then also Saturday afternoon, Taylor and I are going to be right back here. So if you guys want to join in and talk about the game with us, we will be here and we're excited. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to be a very great game at the moment, um, but you never know. That's why you play it. Let's, what other rivalry game cliches can we throw out there? Throw out the records. Right. These two teams um, don't, uh, they you know, throw the record book. Yeah, no, exactly. Everything you're saying there. Uh, I've seen uh, some terrible North Carolina teams that should not have even been in a game against Duke that have somehow made it a five, six point game with a couple minutes left. So kind of what you're saying there is that, you know, it, the rivalry games, the motion, sometimes people play out of their out of their mind and that can lead to some closer games than maybe it should be. Yeah, absolutely. I am right there with you, man. Uh, but we've had some really entertaining news in basketball this week. Uh, we've obviously had some entertaining games. Um, so let's get to the games before we get to everything else, uh, because I do definitely want to patch up on um, the the Memphis meltdown and Mark Turgeon like, losing his job and the net rankings. But um, obviously, before we recorded last, we were getting ready. We were talking about the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And I think we both predicted that Duke would beat Ohio State by a decent amount. Um, this game happened a week ago, so we don't have to go a deep dive into it. But in fact, the Buckeyes, EJ Liddell, game-winning shot. Big win for Ohio State. Big win for Xavier for beating Ohio State. And so I'm very happy. That's Q1. It's a Q1 victory for the Musketeers now because the Buckeyes went over the Blue Devils. How about EJ Liddell, game-winning shot, holding Paolo Bancaro, scoreless in the first in the second half. Um, but man, what a great, great game. Great way to go, Buckeyes and Chris Holtman. Yeah, it was it was weird. I mean, just kind of watching it was a game of runs and Duke was going up, you know, seven, eight, and they got up by 15 points at 13 points at halftime. And I was kind of like texting my dad and some other friends of mine being like, I just like I don't think Ohio State has enough because they looked horribly offensively or they looked horrible yeah. on offense. I didn't think they had enough to a get some stops and B score enough to kind of take the lead here. But Duke missed their 15 of their first 22 shots in the you know, 15 of their 22 shots in the second half to start the second half. Um, so that a lot of, allowed Ohio State to kind of weasel their way back into the game. And with exactly what you said, EJ Liddell was great down the stretch. That's what you know you kind of expect from a junior preseason All American. But if you're a Duke fan, I don't think you're losing sleep over this game. Um, I mean, there's some things that a little to be worried about, you know, they don't play a deep bench as it is. I think they go six, seven, eight deep, but if Bancaro or Keels or Roach or Wendell Moore kind of having an off night, then you kind of have to look up at like a Theo John or a Joey Baker that you're going to need to step up. And they just didn't get that production out of them um, last Tuesday in Columbus. My, my biggest thing other than, you know, collapsing a 15 point lead on the road. Yeah. It's freshman and it happens, but there's some signs that should be a little, a little to be worried. My biggest worry for Duke is that Keels look, Trevor Keels looked amazing against Kentucky. He was hitting threes all over the court. He was attacking mm-hmm. the rim, you know, helping space the floor, letting Paolo have, have room to operate down there. But the last couple games, he's like three of 
30, three of 27 from three. Like he's really struggling to find his shot right now. I don't know if it's a mix between not taking good looks or forcing some bad ones up there, but I think for Duke to ultimately reach what they want this year, which is to be in New Orleans, um, they're going to need him to step up and be that shooter that they need. Because Wendell Moore has been great. Palo's obviously phenomenal. Keels is that missing third piece that they need to kind of be elite, which I think they can be. Either two. I think that this is just kind of, kind of like you said, like I think it was a blip on the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think Duke just had a bad night. But you got to give the Buckeyes a ton of credit. I mean, they are the seventh offense in the country on Ken Palm for a reason. And we saw that they've been able to score really well. I mean, um, you know, the way they lost to Florida, I'm sure they didn't want to have two losses in a row. Um, especially though you have that buzzer breaking heartbreak. They go and they beat Penn State to start conference play uh yesterday. Um, and then they've got uh some fun stuff coming up. Obviously, they got Towson this week, who's not very good. Um, and then they got Wisconsin next week, who is better than we thought they were. Mm-hmm. And then they've got their big game on the 18th against Kentucky, which is a game I'm very much looking forward to. Oh, because yeah. there will be a way that Kentucky fans will be like, Duke beat Kentucky, Ohio State beat Duke, and if Kentucky wins, but Kentucky beat Ohio State, therefore Kentucky is better than both teams. Because mm-hmm. that's the puzzle pieces they put together to try to solidify their greatness. Always. Um, but let's we'll, we'll talk about that game next week. Um, I'm excited for the Buckeyes. I think they're going to be really good down the stretch here. I think they're going to compete in the Big Ten. And this Wisconsin game here in a couple days is going to be a really good one. I'm blown away how good Wisconsin is. I had no way, shape, or form expected that. They'd be a top 30 team in the country, and they have been. Um, so, yeah, man, that's going to be a big one for them. But uh, kudos to the Buckeyes for a nice W. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's kind of the momentum they needed. They had a tough non-conference schedule early, so nice to pick off some wins there, especially heading into Big Ten play. Yeah. So, Kind of continuing the Big Ten ACC challenge, we talked last week about UNC Michigan, and uh, the Tar Heels looked great in that game. Um, I think Michigan's definitely, we obviously mentioned it multiple times, they have underperformed so far this year. They mm. are not playing to the level we thought we would, but that's not to take away from how well North Carolina played in this game. Um, just really kind of seemed like whenever when the North Carolina got in their rhythm, it was just ice, it was ball game, And I felt like they just kind of took over and I didn't feel like Jawan Howard had his team necessarily ready or prepared to stop anything they threw at them, which kudos to Hubert. I mean, he did a hell of a job getting his team ready, but that's a big win for the Tar Heels, obviously. Um, I'm excited to see how that goes, but that's a 21-point victory. Shout out to Dawson Garcia, 14-4. and four. Caleb Love, 22-4-4, four and four, baby. You love to see it. Yeah, he's I mean he's night and day different than what he was last year, which was a turnover prone guard that hoist up bad shots. Um, yeah, it was a big week for Carolina. You know they they struggled in the Mohegan Sun against Tennessee and Purdue. Came out zero and two that weekend. Came back the following week and played UNC Asheville. Looked pretty bad against them as well. So a lot of people were upset about the defensive presence that North Carolina had this year, including myself. But you know winning solves everything. They beat. Michigan on Wednesday by 21, um, and then they beat Georgia Tech yesterday by 17 on the road. So a nice little 2-0 week to get started undefeated in conference play and get a nice win over Michigan. But, yeah, back to back to the game itself. Um, the one big difference right now between Hubert and Roy is that the lack or the, the amount of players that they play early in the year. Roy was very keen on playing a lot of guys, getting a lot of guys in the rotation, where Hubert's like, I'm just going to try to win each game as it is. And there's been quotes saying like, you know, hey, if the guys are mad about their playing time, they need to step up in practice or they need to step up in the environment that we put them in. So I kind of like holding them accountable because you see a lot of the bigger programs and, you know, the similar programs like Duke, Kentucky play a similar limited bench. And I think that resolves in, you know, keeping your guys locked in to A, showcase themselves and B, to win a lot of ball ballgames. Um, 
not that you know with, with the system Roy was running was causing losses, but there were some times where he put a lineup in that would give up a run that you know would put extended pressure on some other guys. But very happy with this Carolina team. They have a, a ton of guys that can score. Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Brady Manning, Dawson Garcia are guys that are all firing at a pretty good clip from three. Um, Kerwin Walton, which was our best shooter last year, has really struggled this year shooting, which I think he'll turn around and find it. But I'm very happy with the Tar Heels. They look great on defense both games. Um, Michigan got Dickinson into foul trouble when Armando Baycott was able to attack the rim. Um, Musa Dibate was awesome. I was very excited to watch him. Um, I think he's going to blossom this year and continue to get better and better. But, yeah, vibes are – I mean, Carolina went from 51st in Ken Palm at the start of last week to 29th today. They weren't ranked. Um, they were ranked in the high, a little bit higher in the net rankings, which we'll get to a little bit later. But – I think if you're a Carolina fan, you just keep taking care of business and get to that matchup on Saturday, December 18th against UCLA. And I think that's a nice, another uh, nice barometer that you can test yourself and see kind of exactly where you're at. Um, my last kind of regards on Carolina and the ACC is just the ACC is down. I would think they're not maybe as an elite team, but Carolina can use that to their advantage. There's plenty of Q1, Q2 opportunities out there. And I think if they continue getting better and better throughout the year, I think they'll have no problem being a higher seed in the tournament that can potentially make a run. I think this offense is legit. Like, I really think they're shooting. There's, I think, let me pull it up. They are, they are third in the country in three-point shooting percentage. They shoot 43% from three. They made 11 threes. 11 threes yesterday. You got Caleb Love shooting 15 of 37 from three. That's 40%. RJ Davis shooting 51% from three. Brady Manick shooting 41% from three. Dawson Garcia... See a shooting 50% from three. Like, you know, they got some guys that can score at will, and that I think this offense is only going to continue to get better and better. So, yeah. How about the SEC having seven teams ranked this week, by the way? Arkansas, Alabama, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, Tennessee, and then I'm thinking, who's the last one? Did you say Arkansas? I did. Okay. So, let's see. Bama's nine, Kentucky's 10, Arkansas's 12, Tennessee's 13. Um, Auburn's 18, Florida's 20, and LSU's 25. LSU, yeah, that's. I, I mean, we we talked about it early in the year when we did our previews. I think, I think I couldn't decide. Remember who we said that Big Ten or SEC was better, but we we definitely had them one and two. Um, and after the start of the year, especially with the non-conference and some of those challenges, um, I think the SEC has proved itself as the best conference as of right now. Now they do their Big 12 SEC challenge in the middle of the year. Um, so right around January, when you'll see that weekend kind of get broken up, I'm excited to see that, especially some of the high key markup or matchups that we're getting. I think it's like Alabama at Baylor and Kentucky at Kansas. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm here for all those. So Michigan state jumped up to 19th. Another good win. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's big one over the bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who God, did you by chance? I know we're kind of going off topic. Did you see that Louisville game Saturday? Louisville, uh, NC state. Yeah. Mm, I, I had it. We were at the. I ended up going to a UC football game against Houston, so I had it on my phone, kind of following it, but I didn't get to watch it in per, like on screen. It was kind of awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, so I was kind of I was keeping an eye on it. Louisville ended up winning, um, but Noah locked down the stretch, hit like some huge shots, and then freaking Malik Williams was incredible. Uh, but freaking Matt Cross hits these two big threes into like the end of the game. They were it was so fun. It was just an awesome game for the cards. It was, it's a big win for Chris and crew. NC um, State is like always a team that just chaos ensues. They had that yeah. four overtime game against Nebraska earlier in the week. There's just like there's something about PNC Arena that teams go in there. It's just a shootout no matter what. Yeah, it's crazy. But I just want to make sure Louisville got some 
some love yeah. um, for that nice W they had this week. But let's go to um, my favorite, co- one of my favorite coaches in college basketball. So it happens to be in the SEC, as I discussed earlier, the coach of Alabama, Nate Oates, mm-hmm. with a big, big W beating the Gonzaga Bulldogs this week with a nice big ol' was the final in that game? Was it 73-68? Uh, getting it pulled up right now. It was 91-82. No, 91-82. I was looking at another game. Very yep. way off. Way to go, Tim. All right, man. So with that being said, um, obviously an awesome win for Alabama. Uh, Jaden Shackelford, 28 points, 9 rebounds. Um, Javon Quinterly with 17 points of his own. Um, and then they freaking got J.D. Davidson with 20 points off the bench for them, shooting 6 of 10 and 4 of 6 from 3. It seems like, you know, I only got a chance to catch some highlights on this one, but they came out gunning. I mean, they had 51 points in the first half alone and really kind of like, you know, Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy's, their box scores look good, but they took everything else really out of the game. Um, so now it's time for, should we panic about the Gonzaga Bulldogs? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah, if I really, should we panic about the Gonzaga Bulldogs? Shouldn't panic. I would hope that the market continues to let them, slip on the national championship odds because I'll still throw some money on them to win it all. I think they're really yeah. talented. Love Nimhart. Love the guard play. Alabama, this is just what Alabama basketball is. They spread the floor. They drive, they dribble drive, and they kick it out to open shooters. They shot 13 of 34 from three, good for 38% on the game. I mean, it's just Alabama basketball. When they get hot and they start getting in a rhythm, like, just watch out. I remember last year, you know, albeit Kentucky was really bad last year, but I think that was, like, one of the true games that were, like, wow, Alabama is, like, a legit national title contender last year. Um, Quinterly and John Petty, they were they were doing the exact same thing they're doing this year. And then you add in Quinterly, J.D. Shackelford, and then J.D. Davison. Those are three elite guards that they have that, you know, can spread you out and just attack you at will. Um you know, Alabama lost to Iona two weeks ago and they yeah. hit any threes. Then they come out in Seattle and they just absolutely drill Gonzaga in a not a, a hostile environment for a neutral game. But um, I think the biggest thing is Betty Yako for Gonzaga, or not for Gonzaga, for Alabama is a guy that his progression throughout the year is going to be something to monitor. He is yeah. known as a defensive stopper slash rebounder, big man, big body in the middle. Can but yeah, right. 22 minutes, um, hit seven points. Obviously, he's not known as scoring the basketball. But he, he's a guy that I I'd really like to see continue to get better and better, like a pick-and-pop game or just being able to finish at the rim a lot easier than kind of he makes it seem. But I, I love Nate Oates. I think his style of basketball is either going to be a layup, a three-pointer, and that's pretty much it. They don't take any contested twos. They kind of work the ball around. Um, I think he's one of the best X's and nose coach, and we'll kind of touch on him in a little bit. I think I've also been, like, been reading and seeing, like, his name might be popping up for a job that just came open. And I think if he went there – with the amount of resources, like um, we'll get at it later, but like, it's, I think he's a guy that, yes, he's at Alabama and had multiple success in a short tenure, but I think he's one of the top five, top 10 coaches in college basketball right now. I do too. Yeah. I love his style. And it like, and we'll kind of transition to Gonzaga here. You know, I think they have to find a way. I'm not saying go the Purdue route where you play Edie by himself and then you play Travion Williams because Chet Holmgren needs to be on the floor at the same time as Drew Timmy, especially with how good Chet is defensively. Um, I think I think this team is fine. Chet was three of nine from the field, oh four from three, had ten points. Drew Timmy, ten of nineteen from the field, twenty three points. I just need I think we need a little bit better spacing on offense because it is kind of like a, a black hole in the middle. If Nimhart's trying to go, drive into the paint, he's got two seven footers in there that he's trying to maneuver around plus their defenders. I think Strother's a great shooter, or Sear Bolton's another good shooter, but I want a little I want to see a little bit more out of Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman. Albeit, I kind of said the same thing about North Carolina. 
where it, you know, you have to limit your rotation to let your stars play. And maybe that's what Gonzaga's doing. But I think those guys off the bench at Gonzaga can provide a little bit more than what they're giving. I think too, this is really good because for once, I mean, the West Coast Conference is playing pretty well so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Francisco's undefeated. St. Mary's just won, you know, they just had a hell of a run in Maui. BYU's the top 24, top 24 team in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gonzaga really, for the first time, like can kind of be like, okay, our, our conference is fairly decent this year. We do play these non-conference games. So like having these games really is for once we can say like they could really get ready for conference play. And look, they very well probably still will just run through their conference like they have for years now. Um, but they're at least going to have people who are going to be able to put up a fight against them. So that's going to be good for them come tournament time. Um, but you know, like this week they play Merrimack. That's just a that's a buy game. That's a get get right game. Right. Um, and then Sunday at five o'clock on ESPN, they've got Washington. Um, so that would be a really good game. Not really Washington. Yeah, Washington abysmal. My, remember yeah. when people wanted Mike Hopkins to be the next Syracuse coach? Yeah. Maybe we understand why uh, Beheim coached for another fifteen years because he is terrible. Yes, he is. And then next week they got Texas Tech, so that'll be a fun game. Yep. Um. But yeah, I think Gonzaga's going to be fine. Um, I just like to joke about them because the Almighty have lost a couple times now. You just hate to see it. I don't think I'm with you. I, I you know, I think the 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 hype around them slash the the ever growing like undefeated elite status that they have got a little obnoxious on our end here. But I think we can't we can't credit them for playing all these tough non conference games and then bash on them when they lose. And now if they right. would have gone undefeated in the non conference, then by all means, like gloat about yourself, do whatever you want. That would be some impressive wins. But I, I think this team, you know, just like any other team, is not playing their best basketball in, in late November, early December, and that what they look like in December won't mean what they look like in late March. So I think Gonzaga is still top three, four team in the country I that can too. win it all. <laughs> I don't think there's many that can win it all, and I think they're one of them. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I'll get to you on this by the end of the show. I, I was asked this question recently, so I, I'm going to get your thoughts on it. All right. So – also, this week with the Big Ten the Big uh, and the ACC, we had some conference play start this week. Um, like I mentioned, you know, Louisville played NC State. We talked about North Carolina playing Georgia Tech. Um, and then we also got Ohio State. Uh, who was it? The Big Ten? Yeah, the Big Ten started conference play, too. So mm-hmm. ne- Indiana played Nebraska. That wasn't much of a game on Saturday. Um, we had Northwestern Maryland. Minnesota, Ben Johnson as they go for 7-0. and Crazy. Well, I talked about them as being one of the worst power five schools in the country, and I was wrong. I mean, maybe not wrong yet, but yeah, they haven't played, they've impressed, haven't played anybody yet. So they've impressed me for what they've done this beginning of this year. Um, speaking of kind of conference play, there's a big slate, to, not big slate tonight, but Iowa and Illinois play tonight. Um, Iowa took Purdue to the wire without Keegan Murray, who is just a stud for them. Um, but the let's see, the Wisconsin has a huge schedule this week. They play um, they play Indiana Wednesday, and they play at Columbus on Saturday. So that's going to be a nice something to watch for, especially when conference play gets rolling. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun for them. Um, so, yeah, obviously it's kind of weird that it's happened so early. Ohio State playing Penn State yesterday was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is – and then I think, like, let's see, the Big East starts in a couple weeks. Um, SEC, I think they might start – do they start this week? I think it's like after Christmas. ACC is weird. They had a game yesterday. Most teams played. Duke didn't play yesterday or Saturday, but ACC had one game on Saturday and Sunday. And then after that, they kind of, they rope it back in for a few weeks. So kind of weird how they started, but yeah. at the same time, I'm kind of here for it. Nothing will ever be weirder than that year that Notre Dame and North Carolina kicked off the season. Yeah. Bizarre. Bizarre, yeah. bizarre, bizarre. Yeah. Speaking of Notre Dame, whew, I was wrong. 
I was very wrong. Prentice Hubs has been terrible. I mean, yes. not to gloat or bash a kid, but he's been terrible. I mean, abysmal. Is saying it nicely. Um, yeah. Cormac Ryan's been awesome, but just Mike Bray's up for the not up for the Maryland job, but there's floating rumors floating on his name being out there. But we talked, we were texting about it after they lost to um, Boston College, and I was like, I don't know if it's just maybe time for cultural change because they haven't been good since the Elite Eight team to Kentucky. Yeah, Demetrius like, Jackson truly, team. Yeah, they right. lost to North having... Carolina. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like that. Like they they go on run like. I get the program. You want to build with three, four-year guys and continue to be good, but they like they just missed, and that's the problem. When you miss on your guys that are your, you're projecting to be a long-term project, then it's really hard to get an impact guy in and do really well. So, yeah, when they got DJ Harvey a couple years ago, I remember just being so excited. Yeah, and, and now he's just, in what, his right. third school. He went. Where yeah. did he went to Notre Dame, Vanderbilt. Now where? I couldn't tell you. I think he's at. I want to say Valpo, but I'll look it up. But keep talking about the next subject, and we'll. We'll, uh, we'll move on. Yeah. So um, thank God the Marcus Freeman news came out because otherwise Mike Bray might be in a lot of shit right now. Yeah. DJ Harvey now playing in the Horizon League at Detroit Mercy. What? Yes. So I'll see him in a couple weeks. Yeah. He's averaging 23 minutes a game, 2.2 points a game. Yeah. Because he doesn't get any shots. Yeah. Because Antoine Davis takes them all. 22% from the field, 27% from three. I bet you Antoine Davis is probably like 15 three-point attempts a game, hitting four of them, but averaging yeah. 27 points. I'm, I'm pulling up the Horizon League right now. Shout out NKU, it's my alma mater. Um, pretty rough right now. Yeah, Detroit Mercy, they are 2-0 and in conference, 2-6 and on the year. NKU is 0-2 in the conference, 2-5 and on the year. Yeah, they lost, they lost this weekend to Cleveland State and... Um, was it Youngstown State? No, yep. it was uh, Purdue Fort Wayne. Okay, yeah, I would say because Cleveland State and Oakland are the top two in the division. I think both of those would probably be the pick to win the win the title. Um, Wright State's been kind of eh this year. Kind of the great campies, higher. baby. He's yep. bringing them back. Right. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you want to go next, but you kind of touched on them Sunday. Yesterday they lost. Um, that is the Maryland Terrapins. They lost on the court to Northwestern, but yeah. they also lost a guy that they extended in the offseason in Mark Turgeon. So when that broke, you you text me immediately and was like, "What the heck?" I I don't get it. I mean, the guys made five of six tournaments, made the Sweet Sixteen twice. I, I don't I don't know exactly what they are wanting. I know the DMV is a hot area for basketball talent. I mean, you can think of any guard here lately that have played. They're probably from there. Um, elite level talent there. Maryland is a basketball school first, not a football Big school. Time. Um, so I think they were just kind of upset with Turgeon and how he connected with the area and how he kind of didn't do as much as he could have um going forward I, I don't really know what their next steps are kind of their their hotbed of coaches right now are um the mark schultz from st bonaventure kim english from george mason since he is from baltimore um mike bray's on there nate oates is on there um juan dixon you know and he's at coppin state i think um yeah. but guys like that i don't know if you go immediately to juan dixon just because that's a big big jump for a guy that's having trouble at a small school but, it's not really uh, working out lately. These guys right. coaching through all my monitors. Right. <laughs> True. But I, I think I think it's a – I don't know where I put it on a top job in college basketball, but it's up there. I think the amount of talent that's in the area and the money that they're going to be able to allure coaching there. I just miss Maryland being in the ACC. I would trade Pittsburgh or I would trade whoever mm-hmm. to put them in the Big Ten and give them back Maryland. So Yeah, same. 
I mean, Pitt just had a nice football win this week. They just won the ACC championship. So, like, just send them over there to the Big Ten. You know, it's fine. Right. Right. I, I am, I'm curious to see who it's going to be. I think it's weird that they gave it to Danny Manning interim. Um, I was listening to a couple podcasts, reading some stuff. People said, if Maryland has a good year, would you give the job to, Mar- uh, to Manning? And I'm like, no. Nope. Absolutely not. He couldn't win. I mean, albeit he was at Wake Forest, but he was terrible there. And they lost to Northwestern at home on Sunday. So not off to a great start for the Manning era at Maryland. So I think it'll be curious. I think there'll probably be five or six jobs that open up. I think Arizona State <laughs> – how bad they've been this year, Maryland, South Carolina, maybe. Um, and obviously, there'll be a few surprises that happen at the end of the year, like always. But I think Maryland's probably the top job right now that's available in college basketball. And I'll be curious to see, you know, some bigger schools or some schools having to pay up their guys to keep them. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think Notre Dame's gonna be on that list, maybe not during the season, but I think Mike Bray if might they, be finally coming if they to the finish bottom of the ACC. It's time to move on, especially with just getting a new football coach. Might be time just to revitalize the whole university, which is tough. But yeah, I love I Mike think, Bray. Love. Yeah, him. I don't. Th- I think they'll they'll never fire Mike Bray. I think it'll be a he steps down, parts ways, he resigns, kind of like David Cutcliffe in football for Duke. I yeah, it's done so much for the program that you just don't you don't need to write it out in writing that he's getting fired. You know, you just say, hey, we're parting ways. So it's kind of like Turgeon, but Turgeon was getting booed at home games. I know that was the crazy part. So. Yeah, so there's that. So we got to Mark Turgeon's being out of there. Uh, we did have the first net rankings of the season come out today. Uh, just kind of touching that real quick. So the, obviously the, the the least shocking part of it all was that Purdue was the, was number one overall. Um, Purdue is one of two teams with three Q1 wins so far this year. Can you, do you know who the other one is? Say that again. Purdue is the only team with... Purdue is one of two college basketball programs right now with with three Q1 wins. Who's the other one? Give me a conference I plan. Big East. Xavier. Yeah. Ohio State, Oklahoma State, and... Virginia Tech. Okay. That's, yeah, three good ones. Yeah. So right now, the top 10 on the net is Purdue, LSU, Arizona, Houston, Villanova, Baylor, Southern California, Gonzaga, Iowa, Duke. So, um, you know, it's still... I know this still gets a lot of shit. I don't necessarily just dis- like dislike the net. I just feel like the NCAA is not really transparent in explaining it and how it works and what's a Q1, what's a Q2. Right. And that's a full episode that we'd have to do to explain it to you all. Uh, but, you know, LSU's obviously had a really good year. Obviously, I keep an eye on them because the Tari Eason, former Cincinnati Bearcats, transferred mm-hmm. there. Uh, so he's kind of gotten in their rotation. He's actually played pretty well for them. Yeah, he was um, the reason they beat Ohio the other night. I was watching that game. Yeah, we you know Will Wade somehow still has a professional coaching job in sports. <laughs> what, a, uh, what a world we live in! It's a miracle. Um, but yeah, I think that you know that's kind of the first part part there. So I don't know, man. Um, I think it's kind of always crazy. The first one's always wonky. Like the first one ever, Ohio State was number one, and their only Q one win was at Cincinnati when Cincinnati <laughs> reopened the shoe. Right. Um, so I don't know, but you know, kind of if you look down there. So some of the things that kind of jump out that are kind of funny, like Wagner is 23rd. <laughs> Shout out to my former co-host, Steve Herring of the Notre Dame Nation, former Wagner alum. Um, North Carolina at 26, Xavier at 30, San Francisco, 32. Uh, yeah, Minnesota, 35, Monmouth, 41, Walker Miller. Love Go it. Go Heels, baby. Go Heels. Yeah. So obviously it's always going to be goofy to start. Somehow Cincinnati's 45th, but they've lost at home to Monmouth and 
they, you know, I guess the close, I guess the Illinois wins strictly the reason they're up right now. Um, but was kind of surprised to see them being as high as they were. Arkansas, even though they're 10th in the country in the AP poll, is 44th behind Belmont. Sorry, I was having a sneezing attack. I'm, nobody can see that other than Tim. But you said, what would you say about Arkansas? Sorry. They're 44th in the net behind Belmont, who's 43rd. But Arkansas is also, I think, 10th in the country in the AP poll. Yeah, kind of what you said earlier, the net, it's December 6th. We don't need to be freaking out about the net standing right. right now. But we will. People will. Arkansas will have plenty of opportunities in the SEC to prove themselves, and I think they will. So it's one of those things that I you genuinely look at the net rankings when they first come out just to give you a basis point of, like, hey, where do they think we're at right now? You take that information and you say, okay, well, there's three months left in the season. So that's the way I look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I use, I use Ken Palm a little bit more than the net rankings. Yeah, I, I listened to that Titus and Tate a couple weeks ago when he was uh Titus was pissed that he got a Ken Palm account because he's like people swear by it. Yep. That's me. I'm people. Um I'm I'm in the middle somewhere. Like I use it for a lot of like you know, betting analysis and things like that. I don't look at it for their projected scores. Um, you know, a lot of times the Vegas lines are created off of sites like Ken Palm and things like that. They all use the same analytics yeah. and metrics, but I look at it more of like adjusted offense, adjusted defense, free throw percentage, like home and away stuff like that, just to kind of get some information. But yeah, like Titus said, and you know, you have attested yourself, you are a guy that uses Ken Palm religiously. I think that analytics stuff is great, but there are some instances that you just can't plan for like guys getting hot injuries, things like that. And you're aware of it. It's not like you're, you know, hundred percent, Ken Palm for life or by by the books, but I think it's it's funny listening. There's a there's a hundred different crowds of people, and usually it's the people find their own sources when it's beneficial to their team. If something if the net had North Carolina as the number four team in the country, I'd be like, well, the net is the greatest thing in the world. And unfortunately, people don't see that through sometimes. So, yeah, I agree. All right, man. I guess we'll do our weekly Memphis talk segment because we're not really obligated, but we're obligated because. Penny Hardaway every year comes out and says he wants to smoke. And then when the smoke comes, um, there's no fire. So uh, they just lost this past weekend in a pretty close game. Um, They lost to uh, Ole Miss. Miss. They're on a three-game losing streak because they lost to Iowa State in the championship in Brooklyn in the NIT. They lose to at home. Georgia. Yeah, or at Georgia, but still. Georgia. You can't lose that game. Yeah. And they actually have a pretty decent Murray State team they play on Friday, who's not bad. I mean, there's no John Morant there, but they're playing well. I think that game was scheduled for John Morant because it's yeah, at that, Memphis. That makes sense. Yeah, that'd be cool. We'll probably be in attendance. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, you know, exactly. you hit exactly what was I was going to say was we want the smoke. We want this. We want that. And you still got a coach, dude. You can get all the recruits in the country. And when you're if you're a terrible X's and O basketball coach, you're going to get exposed. And he has no idea – how to run a half court offense? No, they, get a, they have get no a, idea what offense they run. What is their set offense? They don't. They they don't. It's ball screen, ball screen. If it doesn't work, dribble it back out, set another ball screen, and let Amani just chuck one up and hope J- Jalen gets the rebound. Um, with a, a veteran team like Alex Lomac, uh, Le- Lester Quinones, like guys out there that they Andrew have, Williams. Like, yeah, like how how are you in year three and year four not having something in place? I get having the freshman, the dynamic freshman that you rely on to score and all that stuff, but your veteran pieces should step up and be like, okay, well, like we shouldn't panic in these situations. And they're doing the opposite. Their defense is elite. If they figure out the offense, yeah. they're fine. But I don't think it's time to hit the panic button on Memphis, but us talking about Memphis being anything higher than like a four, five, six seed, I think is not really worth talking about anymore. Cause they're not going to get much competition in the AAC. Um, Wichita has been down since has been mediocre. Um, Houston's Houston. been good. 
but Houston's I think about Houston, it. they're going to have to split or sweep Houston to get really that that talk going. So, I mean, I, I, I hate bad, Matt Balfingham because I do like Penny, and obviously, you know, it's your favorite NBA player, one of of all time, but it, I'm mm-hmm. kind of curious where you're at. Do you think when the Orlando Magic job came open last year, I was really surprised he didn't jump. Same. But same. I, do you think he stays in college another five years? No. Yeah. I don't by know choice. if he lasts another five years. <laughs> I'm saying yeah. by choice or by like, what do you do? I, I, don't, I don't know. It's it's. Well, I mean, so this is their next three games. Uh, like we mentioned, Murray State on Friday. Um, so Murray State is currently seven and one. And they're, you know, for a mid-major team, they're pretty damn good. Um, they beat, you know, they've beaten. The only team they lost to is East Tennessee State who have a lot of D1 transfers, like major high D1 transfers. Um, they play Alabama on next Tuesday. Like that's, yeah, that's scary. Um, they have that one at home. So that's the one good thing. And then they have the game against Tennessee, which they say is neutral because it's at the FedEx Forum, but that's not really neutral. Um, so, but yeah, after that, you start conference play. I mean, you have Alabama State, but then you have Tulane, Wichita, Tulsa. So, you know, like this is a tough stretch for them. Um, I don't think it was the thing that kind of goes against him is after the game when they lose, he goes, he talks about how there's so much jealousy in the locker room from upperclassmen to lowerclassmen, and that if he played the guys that actually cared, they'd be winning, which I think that's your job as a coach to, to play the guys <laughs> that practice. Right. Yeah. I, um, maybe he's using that as a way to fire him up, calling him out. Like Brady Manick did something similar. Um, after they look like crap against North Carolina, look like crap against North Carolina or UNC Asheville. He said, I've never played on a team with five McDonald's all Americans. He said, we should not be losing. Like, and you know, after that Carolina stepped up defensively and looked better offensively. I don't know if Penny's using that as like a, Hey, like I'm going to throw you guys, not throw you under the bus. I'm going to call you guys out and hold you guys accountable and let's see how you respond. But yeah, I, I have them pulled up. They're still 35th in Ken Palm. You know, they have some sneaky good wins in the non-conference yeah. already. St. Louis, Western Kentucky, and Virginia Tech, all teams that, you know, are vying, making the tournament. Um, obviously, St. Louis and Western Kentucky are mid-majors, but still pretty good ones. And they handled their business in those games, honestly. But, yeah, yeah, Murray and Alabama and Tennessee, a nice – you'll take two and one and get the hell out of there with that record. But I, I was – when I was pulling up on Ken Palm, looking at Memphis' schedule, I clicked on Alabama – Alabama plays Houston this Saturday and then Memphis the following Tuesday. That's a fun schedule. You talk about a contrast in styles. Alabama's going to want to get up and down and run, and Houston is not going to want to let them score. So, and it is Memphis. That, yeah, um, that's something I'm looking forward to watching this weekend and into early next week. So, but yeah, overall with Memphis, panic button should be out and should be kind of pressed if you're a Memphis fan. So, yeah, because I did see um, that yesterday. Penny went on Instagram and said the worst is behind them now. Yeah, I mean he. Hasn't made the tournament. They were going to make the tournament in 2020. Mm-hmm. They did not make the tournament last year. They, they won the NIT. Um, yep. They finished the conference championship. And then now we're in year three. And it's like, hey, like, you know, we got to get some results here. It's We're done talking about the hype. You get Imani Bates. You get Jalen Duran. Like, yeah. you're not getting scrubs. So you're getting the top guys. You likely get Imani Bates for two years. Like, yep. well, you know what I mean? So maybe. Yeah. It gets bad. I don't, I mean, I'll probably say. So, yeah. I don't know. The coverage think- on Memphis hasn't been like, I mean, how many, like, you know, ESPNs or Twitter accounts or Bleacher Report, like, obviously different sources and stuff. But, like, you've seen a lot of Chet Holmgren. You've seen a lot of Paolo Benchero. You've seen a lot of this. Like, you haven't seen much of Imani Bates. No, he hasn't or played Jalen Duran or Right. You know. But the marketing there isn't as great as they thought it would be, maybe. So, yeah. I got to imagine it's probably insane there with, like, Larry Brown and Rasheed mm-hmm. Wallace. Rasheed. And, like, yeah. That's what makes no sense that they're they're struggling. They have guys that have proven winners and got, like, I don't know. It goes back to the upperclassmen. They might need them to step up and kind of be able to uh, 
figure it out for him. Yeah, I thought Landers Nolly would be way better for them coming mm-hmm. up. Yeah, and just, Williams too. Yeah, I definitely did. Um, but yeah, I think it's just kind of you know, like I said, you know, hopefully the worst is behind them because they are entertaining as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a team that like obviously they're always going to have an attention on them no matter what they do. Um, they're kind of become the Dallas Cowboys in the sense of I know Josh just compared the Knicks to the Dallas Cowboys yesterday, but all this press coverage and don't do anything. So. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I know we've got a, we're potentially going to be having a, a guest from Tiger Sports Report on pretty soon in the next couple of weeks. Nice. So to talk to us about, you know, what's going on down there. And the thing that a lot of people are saying is a circus. Um, but yeah, man. So I think that kind of wraps everything up besides, of course, our weekly All-Americans. Um, and I think you and I may have someone that's very close. So I feel like I don't want to take it from you. So I was going to let you go first. Yeah, mine's I'm a homer pick here. Uh, mine's Caleb Love. That was so good to be by dynamic week um, from him. The sophomore from St. Louis, big win over Michigan, big win start ACC play at Georgia tech, a place where historically North Carolina has struggled this year. Um, he's great on the defensive end. He's hitting threes. He's getting steals and transition dunks. Um, kind of everything you want from a North Carolina point guard. It's weird. Carolina always has those guards as in Joel Berry, Marcus page, Ty Lawson, Kobe white. A lot of them can drive and get finished at the rim, but Caleb's driving aggressively and throwing down some just disgusting dunks. And, we haven't had that in a while since maybe Kobe White, but very excited with how he's progressed this year. Love where the heels are at in you know early December, but still a lot of work to be done for where I want them to be at the end of the year. So what about you? You're all American. Yeah, it was going to be Caleb Love, but I figured it was going to be yours too, so I didn't want to take it from you because I felt like I'd be a shitty friend. So <laughs> yeah, you're good. Um, I'm actually kind of going to go. I'm going to go JD Davison. Um, yeah. Super freshman for Alabama. I know he comes off the bench, but 20 points, five rebounds, three assists, four of six from three, and a win over Gonzaga in is Seattle. awesome. Yeah, in Seattle. I mean, right. Jaden Shackelford was incredible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, J.D. Davidson and Shackelford, that combo won that in that game. Um, so I, I'm just going to give it to Davidson. I think Davidson's a guy that if you're following the NBA draft, you have to have him on your radar. Um, has like some Kobe White to him. Uh, kind of a similar guy you kind of talked about just a minute ago. Um, as far as like, just kind of like when he's on the other side of the ball and he catches it, he has no fear putting it up. Um, I'm actually looking right now. I don't, yeah, he's, Kobe six... was, they're both so good at like, they get in transition and they can stop mm-hmm. on a dime at the free throw line extended and just hit these mid range jumpers right in your face. And that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Right now, Tankathon has him at 16th, which they say is the Thunder's pick. So I hope that's not the case for him because I hate that franchise and they shouldn't exist, but that's neither here nor there. Um, worst loss in NBA history. Just an embarrassment. Yeah. An embarrassment of a freaking organization. Right. I agree. Yeah. But we'll go ahead and wrap this week's edition of At-Large Bit up the first one. Um, so we're hoping we'll get an episode up maybe Thursday, getting you uh, with a little bit of more of Crosstown Shootout talk. I'm going to have a couple interviews on that. And then, yeah, Saturday morning we'll be up here uh, streaming. Come talk Crosstown with us. Uh, big week coming up. We're excited. So thank you all for tuning in. Have a good night. And check out Shot Callers on Friday. I know they're going to have something good coming for you. So Kyle and Joe, the crew over there doing big things. Everyone, as always, have a great night. Peace.